The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior Matters. What are we going to talk about today? I was hoping that you would share that story about Charlie and his spitting. I I love that story. It's a good story. It was a really big light bulb moment for me. So um, let's go back about 20, 30 years ago, actually about 30 years ago. And I had just started my first teaching position as a special education teacher. And I was also working on my master's at the University of Houston. We had a really cool program that focused on children with severe disabilities. And so it was really ABA based program. It wasn't called an ABA master's program, but at the time it really was. And um, I had this student named Charlie and Charlie engaged in significant amounts of behavior. I mean, so much spitting. And so I had these amazing paraprofessionals and I was in my, uh, my program, my master's program, and I had heard about this procedure called social extinction. And basically social extinction is where you remove what's rewarding the behavior. So I come into my classroom one Monday and I'm all, you know, um, excited about this procedure called social extinction because it works when you think that the behavior is motivated or maintained by attention. So my paras and I agreed that we were going to put Charlie's social uh, spitting behavior on social extinction. And so we did this for a couple of weeks and it seemed like, you know, Mondays were really better. And then by Friday, the spitting was completely out of control. So we did this for about two weeks and my graduate advisor came into my classroom. He did little site visits and I'm emoting all over the place and showing him, you know, how good we are at not giving attention to Charlie for the spitting. And I said, but something's happening. I said, I don't know. If you know, I've talked to the mom and nothing's changed, but it seems like Mondays are good, Tuesdays are okay, Wednesdays are less than okay, and by Friday the spinning is out of control. And I don't know what kind of hypothesis to make about it because we're doing it with fidelity, like we are not even making a facial, you know, facial sign. We're not raising our eyebrows. We're not rolling our eyes. Nothing. And he said, "Well, what does your data say?" And I said, um, well, I don't have any data because this is my first year teaching and I'm dealing with a student who spits hundreds of times a day. So I don't have any data. And he just looked at me and he goes, Catlett, take data and kind of just left shortly afterwards. And I was like, oh my gosh. So one of my paras said, okay, I'll take data. I will do it. And she did. And we realized that the spitting behavior was not getting worse throughout the week. We realized that Charlie spit between 180 and 200 times, regardless if it was a day, regardless if it was a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. So that was really my light bulb moment to realize how important data is in making instructional decisions. Um, You know, if I hadn't done that, then we would probably have been putting that behavior on social extinction all year long and it wasn't working. And so that was my really good light bulb moment to realize that it's time to go to plan B, right? So the data is so critical in not just showing how frequently Charlie spits, but to show how effective our intervention is, right? And so if we don't have data, how do we know if what we're doing is working? You know, I I know a lot of teachers and other providers who collect data and they collect data and collect data and collect data, but they don't do anything with it. And so then we wind up having notebooks full of data 
that we really should have been evaluating a couple of weeks into the intervention to determine whether our instruction was effective, not to show how bad Charlie's behavior was, but to show whether or not what we're doing is working. And so, you know, like I said, that was probably 30 years ago. And it's something I, I talk about, and I know you talk about it too, Sissy, as just being the only way to make instructional decisions, really, because teachers and paraprofessionals and BCBAs and RBTs and BCABAs, y'all are in the trenches. And if we don't have data and, and use the data to make instructional decisions, then we keep doing what we've always done. And, you know, I think that was, what is Albert Einstein? What was one of his quotes, Sissy? Oh, about if you keep doing the First same thing and expecting different results, that's uh, insanity. Yeah, well, it is insanity. Yeah, you actually have to take the data and look at the data and make decisions based on what the data says. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Same. Absolutely. So, you know, we're really not implementing the principles and procedures of ABA without data. Because if you think about that second A in ABA, it stands for analysis, right? Well, what are we analyzing? We're not analyzing behavior. We're not analyzing anything other than the effective of, effectiveness of the intervention, right? And so data is just really just a huge piece in ABA. And um, it's not just about taking it, but like you said, it's about evaluating it and making instructional decisions based on that data. So that's my kind of my little story about um, Charlie and spitting and the importance of data and the importance of um, doing something with the data. So. And how did y'all, how did y'all fix Charlie's spitting behavior? Well, kind of a funny story. And it actually, you and I know is another student who this worked well with as well. So one day um, my paraprofessional had just kind of had enough and she put on Charlie's jacket and he immediately stopped spitting on her. So I called mom and said, send clothes. And so we literally wore like Charlie's, like a button down shirt wrapped around our waist or, you know, one of his hats or, you know, a tie. If we had anything on that Charlie owned, he would not spit. And then we eventually faded out you know, the clothing until um, the spitting was like down to near zero rates. But when I tell that story, I think about that guy. Remember him? I, I remember a student that was spitting and the exact same thing uh, helped with him. And, and it was by accident. Uh -huh. it, it's still the data was still extremely important because you had 180 to 200 spits every day, regardless of the day. And then suddenly the spitting was gone when she put his jacket on to kind of protect herself from the spitting. And when you see that sig very quick, significant change, you, you can make some guesses about <laughs> and, yeah. and try it out and see, does it make a difference if I'm wearing his clothes? Yes, I, I remember a student who was such a spitter and they wanted to protect the other children in the classroom. And so they put a clear shower curtain up around his work area to mm -hmm. keep him from being able to spit on other people. Um, but the teacher would still be able to supervise him. Um, that student and maybe Charlie was the same could spit with great oh. distance and great accuracy. I would joke about him being gifted and talented with spinning because I remember the student that you're talking about, we were out at a fire drill and I was on the ground and he was up on a, 
he spit literally behind my sunglasses into my eyeball. Um, wow. How he did it, I, I will never know. But yes, that was a, and it was an important behavior. I mean, obviously it impacts his social um, interactions, but it also impacts their, um, um, their inclusion in the community, you know? Yeah. Um, it was a really important behavior to, to treat and to um, decrease. You know, I mean, particularly right now when we're going through all of this with COVID, um, you are going to have schools and families just over the top concerned about spit going on things. Um, but even if code was out of the picture and even if, you know, you'd still being able to find a workplace for this person, being able to find if you were to live in a group home, those would all be difficult things. And it is life altering. It doesn't seem like a big deal to some people. Well, just let him spit in a cup. That's not where he's spitting. <laughs> right. Right. So, exactly. Um, and, you know, I had a, another situation with a student who spit and, um, you know, we did, it was really driven by attention. We did the FBA, you know, we did a, an functional behavior assessment. We recognized that it was driven by attention. And so we did use social extinction um, and it did work, but I'll tell you what, one of the concerns that we had as a team is that the speech pathologist stepped right up and said, look, I'm a germaphobe. I've got three kids at home. I cannot, I cannot not give attention to spitting. It's just not in my being. And we actually had to find a different speech pathologist to work with that student because we knew it was driven by attention and social extinction did really work with him because we were in the trenches with him for weeks at a time trying different inter interventions and that did help. So, um, but yeah, it just, it, it interferes with community acceptance. It interferes with post-secondary outcomes. It's just, you know, and it's a hygiene issue as well. Um, you know, I do have teachers who um, can successfully put it on extinction and do it well, but some people are just, it's just not in their being to use it. And so social extinction is kind of one of those strategies that um, can be tricky based uh, with regard to fidelity, just based on the personalities working with the student or the child. So anyway, that was my story about data and my light bulb moment. Yeah, I, one of the things that you said about the idea of social extinction, you do also have to be, or whatever extinction procedure you're using, you do have to be prepared for the behavior to escalate and be able to ride that out a bit. Um, the other would be, it's so good that that speech therapist was able to come up and say, this isn't, I'm not going to be able to do this um, because you would certainly have seen the other concept that we see frequently and that's behavior contrast. You would definitely see um, a huge difference in his behavior with her versus others. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So so, yeah. well, I hope y'all enjoyed that story about the importance of data and why we use it or why we collect it and what we do with it. We want to end each session with a test question or a sample test question. Sissy, do you want to read um, Charlie? Well, I'll go ahead and read Charlie since it was a... Sure. So, Charlie's spitting behavior is an extreme concern. The teacher reports that he spits all day and very frequently. He spits on people and property. Students and adults complain about the spitting. The BCBA wants to establish baseline data. What type of data should be collected? A, duration, B, frequency, C, rate, or D, time sampling? Sissy, what do you think? So I like the idea of being able to talk through each 
answer. So if I think about duration, spitting, uh, it, it kind of doesn't fit that, does it? I mean, there's not really a duration. Because spitting is a, um, a discrete behavior. It's not a continuous behavior. And generally we use duration with behaviors that are more continuous, like toy play, sleeping, um, social interactions, things like that. So I would rule out duration. Duration would be definitely one that I wouldn't. Now, time sampling, D, time sampling is something that could be good to, to look at a behavior. Um, okay. Why is it not a good answer for this one? I'm not a huge fan of time sampling because you're only looking at whether the behavior occurred at the end of the interval. Right. So in order for us to get a really good estimate of of how frequent or how often the spitting occurs, time sampling probably wouldn't give us a very accurate idea. It's much easier to use time sampling, particularly for high frequency behaviors. Um, in my situation, when I was working with Charlie, we did not use time sampling only because we didn't it, it just didn't give it, it wouldn't have given us a good um, accurate estimate of the behavior. Right. I mean, when you're saying that he was spitting 180 to 200 times a day, that gives you the idea. I mean, you would have every single period of time that you looked at would have, if it, depending on how you did your sampling, if it, had, you know, if you were looking, did the spitting happen at all during this period? Well, he would have a bunch of different blocks. You really wouldn't have a good, um, uh, a good time to, I mean, it, it wouldn't give you good information. No, it wouldn't. You know, <clears throat> I, you know, frequency, when you're thinking about baseline, frequency is usually the thing, right? Yes. It, that would be the best. It might not always be one that is all that uh, possible sometimes. I mean, it, depending on how challenging the behavior is, if it's challenging enough, you're going to say, I'm dedicating the person to do this. I'm going to take the data on this and have a good, strong baseline uh, for this student. So that's the, the best choice. Yes. But, yeah. I think so, you know, you could look at rate, you could yeah. look at the number of times per hour or per class period, but we decided just to do frequency because we, you know, it, it we wanted to get a really good idea of just how much it was happening. And so um, that was the choice that we made as a team. Yeah, frequency to me would be best for baseline data for sure too. Now rate might come into play if you noticed that right after lunch, you see more spitting than, you know, um, the beginning of the day. I mean, if you began to see a portion of the day, you may take rate just to be able to do some comparison, but chances are your data is going to drive like, okay, what is it about that time that in causes, causes the spitting to happen more frequently? But so talking through those answers, that's what needs to happen if you're taking the big exam, right? When you're taking the big exam, you know, what, what are the cue words in the question that help me? I see baseline data. I know I need really good information there. Um, and the very best basically uh, for spitting would be frequency, right? Because it is a, a discrete behavior. Um, it's not continuous. And so that's why that's the answer. And so when taking the test, you need to look at the questions and look for those little hints and cues 
um, and what words are really important to the question because you really could answer that with rate or time sampling. Um, but again, because it's baseline, we need a good, accurate idea of how, how often the behavior occurs. We really appreciate you listening, and we hope that you will rate us wherever it is you're listening to podcasts and leave us a review. And if you want to post any questions, you can do that too. Thank you again.